Hi everybody, Phil Seymour here. I'm joined today by Dan Taylor, my colleague, who's the airline specialist at IBA. And we, this is the latest in our aviation conversation series. And we're going to be talking about airline performance in 2023 thus far. So uh, Dan, it's been a horrendous three years for aviation. We are out of COVID now, even Far East China have come out of recession, no more limitations on testing, uh, that kind of thing. So um, the aviation industry is ready to go. How are the vital statistics looking? Things like capacity and all of that. How's it, how's it looking so far? Hi Phil, yes, it's an absolutely fascinating time uh, for aviation. Uh, so yeah, this year so far, as we've heard from the news, there's been some really good good performance uh, um, been announced. Um, so looking at capacity first, we're already up to, globally, we're already up to around 98% of ASKs. Um, uh, and that's continued to grow. We're seeing that uh, increasing through this, this, this quarter. Uh, so it's been a, a mixed year, really. There's been some, some uh, headwinds and some tailwinds, really. Of course, that 98% is an average. There are some which are above the 2019 levels but some still below. So can you just give some context about some of the regions which are better than others or some that have still got some way to go? Absolutely, yes. So, yeah, North America and Europe uh, already uh, exceeding um, or close to 2019 levels. Um, Asia Pacific, with um, sort of the later release of lockdowns in China, uh, they're a little bit lagging behind on uh, getting back to 2019 levels. Uh, interestingly, LATAM, that's uh, uh, quite far ahead of where it was in 2019. Oh, okay. That's uh, positive, at least for that region. So how is that capacity? Uh, capacity is one thing. It's all right putting the seats out there. Uh, but how's it going in terms of profitability? Is the rail lines making profits yet? Yes. Good. Yes, they are. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> in the short um, answer, yeah. Uh, uh, but th there is a variation across the regions, of course. Um, yeah, first hour of lockdown um, in Europe and North America, seeing seeing those early early good results coming in already. Uh, of course, with uh, Asia Pacific with the, the later release of lockdown, those results are coming, but are, are lagging behind. So we're seeing starting to see those improvements coming through now. Um, we have seen a lot in the the press over the last few months in terms of issues that have affected airline punctuality. Um, so. There are still some big challenges challenges that are outside the control of a, an airline CEO on board. So can you just explain what's happened there in terms of some of the issues that have affected punctuality? Absolutely. There's, there's been all sorts of, of headaches for, for airlines uh, this, this summer. In Europe, we've had uh, industrial disputes and, and strikes, uh, cancelling and delaying lots of uh, flights. We've seen airport staff. Uh, airline staff, uh, ATC staff, all um, industrial actions causing many headaches for a lot of travellers this summer. In North America, we've seen really bad um, weather. Uh, in the northeast US, we've seen a lot of cancellations of, of flights due to uh, the thunderstorms and, of course, the impact of those large fires we saw and the smoke uh, mm. closing parts of the airspace. Yeah, there's definitely been some extremes, and I'm just putting some of that into context. I mean, here in the UK, uh, you know, we're complaining about the wet July and uh, how August wasn't really a great summer. 
Um, I think from what I understand from some of the travel agencies that that actually caused a, a big demand. People wanted to get away. Uh, but meanwhile, a lot of the rest of Europe, Southern Europe and Mediterranean were actually probably too hot. They were suffering and actually at some points, um, I think we had issues with uh, tours being cancelled in, in Greece, some of the Greek islands, and uh, uh, holidays to Tenerife were actually uh, cancelled during August. So I think still big pressures on, on the airlines. Um, and obviously recently we had the, the issue in the UK with the air traffic um, system failure, um, which we were told was a, a couple of... Uh, false bits of information that seemed to crash the whole system um, but but at least that didn't result in any disasters it may have we may have seen delays for people getting back from vacation and people going um, but at least the system failed safe it, it didn't cause a disastrous air traffic collision um, but perhaps I'm looking there to say sometimes the system has to break uh, in a safe way. So at least we're relieved that it happened in, in that context. Anyway, should we move on to um, more um, uh, issues that have also affected airlines, uh, have been the OEMs. The OEMs are still not manufacturing new aircraft um, as rapidly as, as expected. Um, some of the information we're looking at is uh, obviously even pre-COVID, Boeing were having problems because the, the, the MAX was grounded in 2019. Um, but if we look at 2018 deliveries from Boeing, they were just below uh, 600 aircraft a year. Uh, Airbus were producing just over 600 aircraft per year. But there are still some issues around that supply chain. I don't think all of these things are down to Airbus and Boeing just not able to produce aircraft themselves. They do rely on thousands of other vendors. But um, do you see that getting back to a, a more normal level in the next couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, those supply chain headaches at Boeing and Airbus have been busy working through, um, you know, rebuilding some of that disrupted supply chains. There's been a, a lot of disruption in material flow, lower down in the, in the supply chain, which has really, you know, slowed things down. Um, so that, yeah, they're, they're improving those flows. So we, we, I think we will see uh, improvements in those production rates, and and they're likely to come back up to where they were in 2018, um, probably in 2025, I would say, up to those sorts of levels. Yeah, um, we might touch on how that's impacted some aircraft values and lease rates as well uh, later in the conversation. Um, but there is also the the knock-on effect of the the MRO industry. We're seeing issues with. Um, slow supply of materials, uh, labour, um, manpower, resource is also a problem for some of the MROs now. Um, it's not one of those businesses where you can work from home. If, you're, if you've got to fix aircraft, you've got to be on the aircraft. So whereas lots of other industries are getting used to, you know, perhaps people not being in the office five days a week, if you're an MRO, you need people in the hangars. But I think there's been a migration of people, uh, technicians actually looking at their lifestyle, thinking, do they really want to be fixing aeroplanes or that, can they work in other areas in the supply chain? So we know that the MRO industry is under pressure. 
Dan, I want to touch on the, uh, the cost headwinds again, because I think there are some considerable issues that airlines have had to consider. Um, can you give us a bit of the detail around what, what those issues are and could be? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there's a, a number of cost headwinds at the moment. We've already talked about uh, employment costs. We've seen industrial actions, and some of those have been resolved by increasing um, wages. So that's, that's a huge, huge part of an airline's costs. Uh, we talked about uh, supply chain um, restricting the production rates of new aircraft and for maintaining existing aircraft. That's obviously putting pressures on on price of parts and price of, of leasing aircraft and, and, and purchasing new aircraft. So that's another driver uh, increasing. Um, yeah, interest rates uh, remain high. So um, you know that's that's obviously putting pressure on the financials. Uh, fuel fuel is remaining high as well. Um, so you know all these add up, um, and, and and it's you know high costs are remaining at the moment. But on a unit basis, though, when you when you divide those costs by the um, by the number of ASKs, as we say, you know the uh, available uh, seat kilometres, it's actually um, has come down slightly. And I think what we're seeing is is airlines are increasing the capacities back up to as we mentioned earlier, back up to 2019 levels. And they're utilizing their aircraft a lot more to do this. So they're getting higher efficiencies from their aircraft, which means their, their actual unit costs or cost per ASKs are, are, are steadying or even uh, declining in, in some areas, mm. uh, which is you know, a, positive, uh, a positive thing, really. Yeah, it's funny. When I read some of the analyst reports on airlines, um, I think we've seen you know, American Airlines doing a deal with their pilots' union. Um, which was seen as positive news because it means aircraft will still fly, there won't be industrial action. Um, I think some analysts were reporting that as being negative uh, for the airline because obviously it's put the cost base up and therefore the, the, uh, the re-forecasting of profitability has actually come down. Uh, but ultimately, I think it is part of that adjustment. Um, do you think airlines have been say almost getting away with it because they've been able to increase ticket prices I think it is as simple as that at the moment is it yeah that pent-up demand that we saw post-covid I know we keep talking about it and we're going to continue for a little little while longer I think yes um, airlines have been able to to increase their fares to cover all these high costs at the moment um, and the, the demand is there you know they're selling the tickets uh, load factors uh, remain you know where they should be um, so, and looking at forward bookings as well through um, uh, through winter in the northern hemisphere, they continue to remain remain pretty strong. So I suppose the question is, um, is that going to continue into mm. next year? I think we all want to know. Does that those high fares is that going to continue? Yeah, I mean, I th I think what we've seen when when we were talking earlier in the year about the outlook for twenty twenty three, uh, we were saying that actually despite higher interest rates, despite higher energy costs, um, employment figures were still looking positive. There, earlier this year, both uh, Europe and the USA were, were saying there's still uh, more jobs available than ever. The unemployment figures were as low as they've been for, for many years. Um, but that is starting to change now. I think both the UK and US um, in terms of those macro numbers, there there is some pressure now. Um, so I think that is the one of the risk factors going as we go out of 2023 into 2024 is just that cautionary aspect of 
um, you know, could there be some cutting back in terms of travel? But I think from what we're seeing, even here at IBA, the business travel still seems to be very positive. I think a couple of years ago we were saying, oh, we never need to go to any more conferences. Everything's going to be done by Zoom and team calls. But actually, I think whilst businesses can maintain their businesses and their customer-client relationships um, through those sorts of calls, in order to grow a business and to win new customers, we, we still are social animals and we'd like to see people face-to-face -face and interact. So um, I think the business travel figures, are, are they looking reasonable, do you know? Or is it basically aircraft are being filled up with, the, with economy passengers? It, business travel isn't growing as fast as leisure, as we know, but it, it is still there. We, we're seeing a, a slight increase from last year, about a percent. Uh, what we're seeing is an increase of the the new type of traveller, which is the, uh, the the business with leisure trip. So what we're finding is a lot of these business trips, people tag on a leisure element to it. So they might arrange their meeting towards you know, on a Friday, so then they stay that little bit longer and create a, a leisure trip as well. So we're just seeing more of those, which is very positive. I think that's great advice. Thanks very much. I'll bear that in mind as we uh, plan to go to conferences around the world then. Thanks for that tip. Um, in terms of our outlook, um, from what I've seen, we've, we're forecasting a return to profitability for most regions over the next three years. Is, is that right? Are there any, any areas of concern? Uh, yes, we're, we're seeing absolutely an, an improvement in profitability for airlines across, across all regions, really. Uh, yeah, we talked about some of those headwinds, and you, know, you mentioned the, the the pressures on uh, disposable spending uh, next year as the, those, you know, the the economics and the, and the squeeze people are feeling um, through next year, and will those high fares, um, you know, still be able to keep those high low factors? Um, we'll, we'll see that. Historically, airlines when when you know profitability has been good, they increase their um, their capacities. And they increase their capacities beyond what the market can take, and we see fares come down, mm -hmm. and we see profitability come down, and we see you know airline failures. So, if um, if airlines can be disciplined with their capacities next year, then I think we will see these you know profitability remain at, at good levels. Yeah, I mean I've been pleasantly surprised by you know the the relatively bad press that was out there surrounding the A three eighty. Um, we actually did do a, um, uh, a recording earlier this year, I think, about the A380 specifically. And I think the recent news, I think that Lufthansa um, said that a few years ago that they were unlikely to be operating the A380 again. Then they said, well, we'll be getting six of them back into service. And then more recently, they've said we're going to have eight A380s back into service. So I suppose that's a practical example, isn't it, of that? increase in capacity and obviously there's nothing bigger than an A380 to do so. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing on uh, storage levels generally, um, I think we're seeing a reasonable decline in storage levels, aircraft are coming back to service. They are coming back, uh, they, are, um, they, they have been returning to service, they're not down to the levels, the storage levels that we uh, had before Covid. Uh, so the yeah, storage levels are still slightly elevated. Um, perhaps some, with some of those aircraft, some of the older types, perhaps it's still not economical to bring them back online. Yeah. Um, and 
of course, some of the environmental considerations of those older aircraft that also might be playing some of the decisions to bring these back online. Yeah, I, I think we've seen, um, uh, obviously, one of the positive aspects, if I can refer to it in that context, of uh, the COVID issues was um, the freighter market was really quite strong in terms of moving supplies, PPE around the world. And we did see a number of aircraft, uh, freighter aircraft, older 767s, 757s, their utilisation did increase. Um, I think just to put this in context, our figures for uh, 2018 storage levels, there were around about 10% of the commercial airline fleet was in storage. Um, but uh, that is now there's still about 20% of the commercial fleet in storage, but actually, uh, obviously, uh, at the peak, um, I mean, we were way up because of uh, aircraft not being able to fly, so they were long-term long parked. Um, uh, and of course, we have seen a, a surge in the freight conversions, some of the older 737 800s and A320s, those narrow-body aircraft, um, a, a huge demand for freight conversions. Uh, we have actually uh, put some information out more recently on where we think that's going and, you know, is the bubble going to burst in terms of uh, freight conversions. Um, but I'll leave the audience to uh, find that information on our website. Um, startup airlines, um, are they, what are they doing in terms of, uh, are they just filling old routes or developing new routes? Is there a, is there a one one single answer to that or is it a, a combination? We're seeing all, all sorts of new airlines starting starting up, um, you know, charter, ATMI, uh, regionals. Um, interestingly, Europe is seeing the, the most startup airlines uh, this year. Um, and, and the level of startups is, is about the same as what we used to see before COVID. So we are seeing these new airlines popping up now. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, a lot, of the, the work, a lot of the work we're doing here at IBA, um, the inquiries we're getting in terms of uh, assisting airlines with developing the, the business plans, looking at the competition, uh, aircraft fleet selection, I think that demand has been stronger than ever. Um, and uh, that's why we are heading down the route of producing IBA airline reports, but more of that later. Talking to somebody recently, Dan, about the uh, the startup airlines. Can, can there ever be too many startup airlines and in, in Europe? Could it it must be positive, mustn't it? But what are the downsides of having too many airlines? Well, I think it's great for the for the consumer, for someone who wants to travel. It's going to put competition out there. It's going to put you know new fares and new products and new ideas. So I think it's always great for the consumer. Yeah, uh, great for us, of course, because those airlines need help. Um, but where does this then fit in? This is a, a nice sort of segue into the whole ESG issue. You know, emissions, uh, every time we open up the news generally, and aviation news, uh, there's comments around the latest SAF, the latest innovations, hydrogen options in the future for the larger aircraft. Um, obviously, it's a very big part of what we do here at IBA. Um, but um, I think it's one of the issues we're finding is the accusations that whenever there's a move made by an airline, that it's seen as greenwashing. Are there, are there, there are ways that airlines can, you know, manage this better? There, absolutely. Yeah, there's a number of things I think airlines can do and are doing. I understand. 
Uh, I think one one of the the big ones we see a lot in the press is is tr sort of transparency around their uh, carbon offsetting schemes. We've seen a lot of these new schemes coming up. You know, when when you're buying tickets, you have options to 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 add, you know put money onto some of these. Uh, you know, recently Ryanair was was forced to drop a couple of these schemes. You know, a reforestation project in Ireland was one of them, and a whale and dolphin counting scheme. They were they were both found to be ineffective doing what they're supposed to do, which is reducing carbon. Mm. Um, EasyJet also announced, you know, they had to draw, withdraw one of their one of their schemes also. Um, so yeah, absolutely, transparency is, is key here. You know, the, the public are becoming more informed on these subjects. Uh, so I think airlines really need to listen to, to, to what's happening and the, the latest science. Um, also, you know, what they can do is, is use third-party certifications, so get those independent certifications to show, you know, this is sort of genuine schemes. They can, they should rely on, on, on data to describe um, their environmental gains, really. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, one of the things, I, I should just mention again, that uh, here at IBA, we do uh, conform to the uh, International Capital Markets Association code on uh, verification. So uh, uh, if anybody does need any help with second party opinion um, or verification, uh, we, we are involved in that process. Um, well, look, I think I'll wrap it up there, Dan. Uh, there's plenty to talk about. Um, in terms of uh, IBA and what we're doing in the airline space, uh, we will be shortly announcing uh, very exciting news in terms of the, uh, our airline analysis product. Um, so more about that in the future. Uh, if you need any more information about anything we've discussed here um, and uh, you have airline-related questions, then please do contact uh, Dan and the team. Uh, we're ready and waiting. So thanks for your attention. See you all soon. Bye for now.